Mine's good. Come on, Brent. Life's good. Got real close. Got hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have. Welcome to Game of Zones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott, alongside as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, hi. Uh, it's that time of year again. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's a time of year everybody looks forward to. There's calendars, there's countdowns, there's things just all over the place. It seems every year gets earlier and earlier as people start preparing for it and getting excited for it. And uh, the music starts, you know, all the the songs that people have written to commemorate and uh, and celebrate. And uh, it's just a wonderful time of year. Yeah, it's time. For the Stony Awards. That's right. The 2023 version of the Stony Awards are here. The anticipation has been building and building. And now we are here for the 2023 version. This is at least the third annual Stony Awards. Uh, I will look and uh, I will post with the appropriate number. But as I sit here and speak, I believe it's the third annual Stony Awards. Always fun to look back on the year that was in curling frankly we should really do this in the spring because the curling season ends and we can kind of reset then but it's the end of a calendar year and this is a fun time to look back and see what happened this year and because we can kind of bridge between the end of last season the start of this season so as is our want we have 10 awards for the stonies there are the signature categories that we will do at the end that are the same every year. And then we change up some of the preliminary categories based on what happened this season. So Scott, let's get it started and we'll go bottom to top on the list. We have with the departure of the year. We were just talking about this before we started to record and Obviously, after the Olympics, there were a lot of departures. So the 2022 version of this award was pretty stacked. And Mm -hmm. I believe we ended up giving it to Cheryl Bernard, which drew the ire of some. But hey, that's cool. Uh, Anyway, I I feel like we felt the the departure of Cheryl Bernard (laughs) last season or this this year. But Scott, who do you think was the departure of the year for the 2023 curling year. So Sean, there was a couple that we could, you know, mention in passing some, some honorable mentions. We'll say, uh, you know, Briar Herleman Schwaller, uh, you know, taking a step back from that world championship team, uh, Colin Hodgson announcing his departure from the game. But in the end, we uh, we decided that it was Darren Molding taking a step back and, uh, you know, having a very long interview with our friends at Two Girls in a Game podcast, uh, revealing a lot of things about himself and about uh, his time in the spotlight as a high-level curler in Canada. Yeah, so Darren Molding steps away a little later than most players announced that they are stepping away. He waited a little bit deeper into the summer as he considered 
what he wanted to do moving forward. Of course, well known that he is an ice maker, kind of a rink rat type of guy. I first encountered Darren Molding at the 2012 or 13 Canadian Mixed Curling Championship, an event that he won here in Ottawa beat Sean Meacham, who still is one of my favorites, uh, in the final of that event over at the Rideau Curling Club. So uh, Darren Molding has been somebody who I'd at least known about and sort of followed for a decade now. He kind of came onto the men's scene widely when once he got hooked up with Brendan Botcher. They obviously had that run, an incredible... And I don't mean incredible necessarily the positive way or even a negative way, just like kind of an incredible to see breakup of that team when Darren was informed that he was no longer going to be on Team Botcher. And then a, a kind of a, a really nice run there with Tanner Horgan and Jacob Horgan last year coming in with Colin Hodge. And that was a fun run, making it to the playoffs there at the Briar. So a good run for him. And uh, certainly wish him and everyone who took a step back from curling all the best in their future endeavors. Yeah, that's right, Sean. That's right. Uh, what's the next category we've got on the docket? All right. So the next couple categories are about stories from nice. the year. And the first category is the most underappreciated story of 2023 in the world of curling. There were a few of these certain things that went under the radar or things that might be significant changes, but we don't necessarily know yet. But the one that's got, I think, hasn't really gotten too much attention, at least in a North American perspective, is the return of China to the world stage in a big, big way. They were forced to go into the pan-continental B-side, both, of course, and unsurprisingly, made it up to the A. So they'll be in the A next year, and the Worlds would be then the next step. So the Pan-Continental gets a lot better with China back in it. We'll see what happens with mixed doubles and what 2024 looks like for China on the mixed doubles side. But Scott, I think arguably the biggest impact, immediate impact, of the return of China to full-time competition in global curling is on the wheelchair side where Haishao Wang won again uh, and he just wins and wins and wins. He That's all he does. He's the DJ Khaled of <laughs> curling uh, in the wheelchair discipline. He is very, very good and uh, a very strong performance for that team. Three consecutive world championships in which they have played and consecutive Paralympic championships for them. So that's the immediate impact. It'll take a little longer on the four-person side and the the mixed double side to see what happens. But I think China being back in competition is a really significant story that didn't get too much play, at least, again, in North America. Yeah, yeah exactly. Having China back is definitely going to boost the quality of that, that pan-continental championship. Uh, it's going to boost the caliber of the fields at the world's. Uh, eventually, not this year uh, yet, but uh, <clears throat> they'll, they'll definitely have an impact. And you're right, I don't think that's really been thought about because we haven't seen those kinds of world events just yet. You know, we, we've seen the slams with a lot of teams from, uh, from Asia and from Europe participating and winning. 
those kinds of events, but uh, haven't had anything from the Chinese yet, but you're right. That is really something that's coming and that's going to play a big role in the next, uh, next years before the Olympics. Yeah. So we'll, you know, see, see how this all plays out, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a significant change in the landscape from what we've seen post pandemic or, uh, or really since the outbreak of the pandemic, I guess I, mm-hmm. I should say. And, they were there, of course, for the the Olympics and the Paralympics there in China. But in terms of traveling, competing, the, the return of China, I think a, a story that has gone underplayed. So next up on the 2023 Stony Awards, it's the non-story of the year. This is something that people had been anticipating, had talked about. We had done podcasts wondering what will happen. Mm-hmm. And Scott, the non-story of the year, the curling Canada changes to Olympic qualifications didn't really change much structure, largely the same. And the trials for the four person, it's going to be a week earlier, mixed doubles a year earlier, but ultimately with all of the buzz about David Murdoch coming to curling Canada, he's overseeing high performance this was kind of a nothing burger when it was announced. <laughs> like, I think we did a show and we're like, okay, like, I like, yeah, wasn't really blown away. And for all of the the talk about what is he going to do and and what do the athletes want and what do the fans want? How do you balance because that's a major generate revenue generator for mm-hmm. curling Canada? It was kind of like, uh, okay, yeah. It, it we might look back on it and see it as kind of the 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 first tremor before a big earthquake that might come down the line, uh, yep. right? But uh, for now, no, not a lot of uh, significant changes for Olympic qualification on the four person side. Uh, the paths to get there maybe a little bit uh, a little bit different, but not too 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 huge. So uh, yeah, really a lot of speculation that went into that sort of around the beginning of this calendar year, uh, sort of turned out like, eh, eh, no big deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, Scott, what's next on our list here? So I think we're going to go with another biggest story. So we're still on the story theme. Yeah. Uh, biggest curling story of the year. And, you know, this can be whatever, whatever you want. Could the story be, you know, our epic rise to the A division at the <laughs> Ottawa Curling Club Monday night? I mean, yeah, that could be the story. Yeah, uh, I sat eight in a game, in a men's league game when I was skipping. Yeah. I was pretty yeah. big. Uh, really uh, shaking, you know, your knees buckling a little <laughs> bit with that, uh, that pressure on. But, uh, but Sean, the, the story that got the most headlines, the most re X's. Do we say re X's? No retweets. Uh, a lot of sharing on social media is Brad Gushu just handing it to the organizers of the pan continental. And I know you like this story, so I'll let you go. Yeah, I, I do like this story. I, I like older Brad Gushu <laughs> just sort of going at stuff. I, I really love it. Uh, yeah. The, he's still my favorite answer I ever got in a scrum to a question I asked. Uh, what I, what I said, Hey, like, why is it the same skips in finals all the time, independent of 
the lineup changes. So we're better than everybody else. <laughs> okay. And that kind of sums that up. So yeah. I, I, I do kind of like it. I think some of the things he was saying from somebody who doesn't compete competitively and, and literally gets to the curling club 15 minutes before the game gets changed and gets on the ice. When he's talking about the amount of space to warm up and all that, like some of it just seemed over the top and like, what are you sure. complaining about? But I loved that he was so open about how he felt the idea too of, well, maybe we just won't do this again, uh, that mm-hmm. we're not getting paid for it. Given the larger ramifications of the event that it is, a world qualifier, which is an Olympic qualifier. So there is kind of all that uh, in the process. So it was interesting that the idea to even going into it, he said, I don't really like playing in curling clubs. And it's, there's something about a curler just being like, I don't like playing in curling clubs. That's where the sport happens. Like (laughs) for 99.9% of participants. So Mm. I don't know. I really did like this story because some of it I understood and was, like I, yeah, I understand where he's coming and agree with some of it. I felt was a little over the top and, and the complaints. And that's kind of why I like it that yeah. you could listen to what he's saying and think, okay, take it easy, Brad. And in other parts be like, yeah, go Brad. Like <laughs> within the same like five minute discussion. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's something like imagine an NHL team goes into a small, you know, uh, community rink yeah. with locker rooms designed for five-year-olds right uh you know they they famously i think used to do that i don't know if they still do with the hockeyville and uh they renovate they renovate the whole arena to make it better because the implication is that it's terrible to begin with so yeah i can kind of see brad uh saying oh you know at curling clubs there's not enough room eh, the ice isn't as good so yeah this was a, a fun story and i think prompted a an emergency podcast from us and a shout out to my buddy cam who texted me about it. Uh, so good on the curling, the curling news got to the larger community on that story. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, got, got some pretty wide attention on that one. Yeah. We did a, a kind of an emergency show that curling show did essentially an emergency one too. (laughs) Like, yeah, I think it really was the story of the year. And I will also say, Scott, with this being the story of the year, unless I am forgetting something, which is very possible, if not likely, if you look at our stories of the year from the other times we've done this, and even when they weren't the Stonies, I think we just did a year in review, I'm thrilled that this is the story of the year, right? Because yeah. we have had some that have been more difficult to talk about and, and things that either don't res- reflect well on the sport or things that have been just tragic, right? Yeah. Uh, when we think, uh, I think it was the first year we did a year in review. Like, there's just stuff in there that that isn't like it's sad, as I say, tragic and difficult. And and for this year, to the best of my knowledge, to be relatively light. So that's been kind of nice. And uh, a story of the year that is Brad Gushu upset at the World Curling Federation. I think reflects well, I think generally on, on what, what happened across the sport this year. Yeah, definitely. Sean, definitely uh, a lighter side of the, the game of curling. Definitely. All right. So let's move on to what I have labeled Scott, the false hope award. 
And this is the award for the thing that happened that we thought would be awesome and turned out to be a nothing burger. It kind of fits into the non-story of the year, but this one is a little different because felt like it'd be a material change for the better for everyone, right? The Olympic qualification stuff was kind of stuff to talk about. And like the players probably thought it'd be something. This is something that when I think every curling fan heard about, they thought, yes, this is great. And then it turned out that the rug was just straight up pulled out from under our feet and we all collectively did the cartoon four flips in the air and landed flat on our face. Yeah. And you're right, Sean. Like, so, so this is the recast bankruptcy. Yes. And the, the hope that, uh, that the world curling feed would be back on YouTube on something that almost everybody can get on their TV pretty easily. And so we were like, oh, great. No more recast. Yeah. But wait, it gets better. <laughs> recast has just been like absorbed into some other company. It's still the same thing. It's still microtransactions. You got to like pay. Well, you got to pay to watch, which yeah. is really annoying. It's it's not even a lot. <clears throat> what I find most annoying is that because there's four games on it at a time or sometimes five, Mm-hmm. And they do provide uh, telecasts of all of them, which is amazing. I want to dip in and out of each game, but I have to spend a hundred credits to watch one. Yeah. And then if like that game turns out to be bad and I want to switch to another, I have to pay another, another hundred credits and it's not a lot of money, but, uh, and you can get it from watching ads, but I've tried to get it watching ads. Maybe it's cause I have like crazy ad blockers in my house that I built, uh, <laughs> built myself, but it, you don't get very much, uh, for your ad watching. So I, d- I did pay when I was in Europe for the, the worlds, but yeah, anyway, uh, it's just annoying that we have to keep dealing with this platform that is yep. not responsive. Maybe a fee for the draw would be pretty good. And you could watch any of the games yeah. on the draw. Yeah, as opposed to, I, I think they do an event pass, but when it's in Europe for the Euros, for instance, right. don't really want to buy an event pass. So, because a lot of the games happen when I'm sleeping and working, and therefore it's harder to get your money's worth out of an event pass. But yeah, it's when you buy a single game, yeah, I, draw pass would be fine, but I. I don't know. I I don't understand fully how so many people seem to be able to monetize off YouTube. Yeah. The World Curling Federation cannot, but I'm an expert in these things. There's YouTube millionaires, right? And yeah, all they do is like do a little promo at the beginning or end. Yeah. So I don't know, but it is what it is. Uh, So that is our false hope of the year. Cut to our ad break. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a break. Scott. Yes. What do we use to record this fine audio program? Well, Sean, we always use Zencaster, my favorite podcast recording platform. 
Yeah, me too. I really like Zencaster. We started using it a few years ago. I think start of the pandemic. Actually, Ryan uh, from Rocks Across the Bond turned us on to Zencaster because we were using Skype and recording on Skype, which presented editing issues because you get the whole Skype call, not just what you want to record, what you want to have on your show. The audio is not as good because with Zencaster, you're getting the input from each person, whereas on a, like a Skype record, you're getting the the one person side of it. So it didn't always sound great. So we love Zencaster. We've been using it for years. It gives us the video when we've done video, it gives us the audio, really good quality, really easy to edit, it gives you post-production quality as well. Scott, by far the best recording stuff that we have used. And that's the truth. Yes. So we are part of the Zencaster family of shows and stuff. And we're very excited to invite you to try out Zencaster if you want to start your own show. Zencaster.com slash pricing. And you can use our promo code to get a 30% discount from your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. Scott, our offer code might surprise you. It's What's old is news, all one word. This is a joint deal because I also have the history podcast that is called What's Old is News. I use Zencaster for that show as well. And if you go back and listen to some of my early episodes, like early, early episodes, like 2013, 14 range, you can really tell the difference that Zencaster has made in the overall quality. So again, Zencaster.com slash pricing. Use what's old is news in the offer code 30% off any paid Zencaster plan. Again, Zencaster.com slash pricing. What's old is news. If you want to sound great on your own show. I'm heading there now, Sean. Now let's go to the lineup change of the year. Scott, this one is recent and, Mm -hmm. you know, I hate to be too, too recent on these things, but I do think this is the biggest lineup change of the season happened this past weekend at the Grand Slam. And that's Brad Jacobs returning to the skip position. Reed Carruthers playing third. Don't know if this is going to be permanent when they announced it. They just said it would be for the weekend, but we'll see what happens. I think that the team would be better overall with Brad Jacobs as the skip, he has demonstrated himself to be a very, very good skip. If you're unfamiliar with Brad Jacobs' history as a skip, look in our past episode, the one we did before this one, and you can listen to us talk about Brad Jacobs as a skip for a whole hour. So yeah. I think, Scott, that if if they keep this lineup going forward, biggest change of the season. We saw with the McCruthers thing five years ago now that having Mike McEwen land eventually in the skip position read at third that was the best formation mm-hmm. of that team i would think that the same is true with this lineup as well yeah and we praised reed's sort of ability to bridge between the front end and uh the back end yeah uh between between uh mike McEwen and and the front end there so i i think this makes a lot of sense and i know that he wants to be a skip but sometimes you think, well, maybe just do what you're best at. And it's yeah. it, it's been shown, right, that he's best 
in that third position. You talk about they made that change this weekend, Sean, this past weekend. Uh, they beat Joel Returnez in their first game. They beat mm-hmm. Bruce Mowat. So, you know, lost to Returnez again in the playoffs, but it, it seemed to be the right steps moving forward. And we'll see how it plays out over the rest of the year. But I, I do agree. I think this is the biggest change. Yeah. And it, I mean, to be honest, too, there weren't that many lineup changes. Well, this I, year. I guess, I guess general. you could say Rachel Holman's throwing last rocks again. And she was all right. Well, but ca- she's calling skipping. the game. She's, yeah. she's like truly skipping now. Yes. And they've been on a heater all fall as yeah. well. So uh, that could be there. But I think this one will be a little more impactful uh, yeah. in, in bringing that team into the top tier of men's teams where Rachel Holman's team already was. Right. And in a position where, I mean, Manitoba is obviously always tough because it's Manitoba, mm-hmm. but I believe Dunstone already has a spot. So uh, in the Briar, so Manitoba is gettable, right? Yeah. Like uh, it, it's, it's a more wide open Manitoba mm-hmm. than maybe we've seen in the past. So you, you kind of got to like their odds for the Manitoba play down. So at least I, and I like them more with this lineup. I do too. All right. So those are the six from the changing every year ones. So let's go into our, premier awards the prestigious awards so i will put on my black tie for this my bow tie get my uh tucks on with the nice tails and everything and we will start scott with the uh we'll change the order here based on the list i think we'll end with the team of the year which i think is usually the uh the, the premier one that we go with so let's go with the game of the year scott we were talking before we went on we watch a lot of curling games, so maybe that's part of some of the struggles. But I don't remember too many real signature games from the 2023 season. There were good games. There were fun games. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember any real signature games being played, whereas in other years I can remember games. like th- This might be the hardest game of the year award that we've had to give out in the years that we've done these things. So yeah, there's nothing that super stands out, but how do you think of the, the games that we saw? Oh, it just in general this year. Yeah. I, when I think of the game of the year, you know, I think that Kathy O against Jennifer Jones at, at the Scotties, yes. right. was such a good game. I think uh, that semifinal botcher against Dunstone where botcher made that angle raise to win and Dunstone looked like he was just defeated, like, yeah, ju- just like what the hell, like that kind of game, right? Or yeah. Simmons uh, Jacobs, uh, Simmons Jacobs, final. that final we had the Jones Anderson in the the twenty twenty one trials. Yeah, yeah. So those kind of signature games, right? We yeah. we haven't really seen, or or I don't get the impression that we saw it, or at least we are not thinking of it if we did. Yeah. And maybe there's a mixed 2019 women's world's final. Like, yeah. 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 That was incredible. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we've got those as the context for this one. And, you know, maybe there's a mixed doubles game. We're not thinking of out there. Maybe there's a slam game that was so great but they're all kind of the same and uh, <laughs> you know, nothing really stands out. So 
we decided to go with the Euro final of the women's side of the, the Euros that just finished. Uh, Constantini against Tiranzoni. Mm-hmm. And it went uh, down to the wire. A draw for the win in 10th uh, was made by Alina Pats yep. for them to capture that however many consecutive uh, European slash world championships they had, they've won. I don't, so I don't think their, they've won a bunch of euros. So no, I, I believe that was their, I think it was their first euro. We will fact check that, but yeah, that game goes to the 10th and Pats makes the, the draw to the button in the 10th the to win. Also about that game, they burn the first end with the blank and then that's it in terms of blanks. Each team cracks one deuce. The difference is a steal of one for Tiranzoni in the sixth end. And then, but when you look at just in general, the the shot making in that game, Pats is 86%, Constantini is 88%, Tiranzoni 84 Matisse is 85. Like as a team, Switzerland's 90, Italy 84%. So you're looking at high level shot making in Mm -hmm. those or in that game. And that's where I'm thinking that you have this close game with stakes, with high quality performances. So that's kind of where I'm I'm thinking in terms of the game of the year. And it was their first win. They lost the final in 2022 Tiranzoni in 2018 as well but first Euro championship for Sylvana Tiranzoni yeah just uh really really great uh week and you know it the Swiss women curling you know we've talked about it for a long time all they do is win 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 no matter what 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 they're the DJ Khaled of women's curling that's right John Yes. All right. Now let's talk about the DJ Khaled of men's curling for the shot of the year. I think there's only one choice, one option, the Nick Adine spinner at the world championship to get into an extra end. This was Bonkos. Uh, yeah. Like we, I think we talked about it a lot uh, during our podcast after the worlds uh, yeah. and it's just uh, one of these shots that ends up making like regular sports center, f- you know, highlight of the night, all that kind of stuff. Even it's in so the US, absurd. it's absurd. It is. It's, it's this kind of like trick of physics that you don't think is yeah. possible. So yeah, no real competition there as, as much as we sort of struggled to think of what the game of the year was when we thought of shot of the year, th- this was a no brainer. Yeah, this took about four seconds. Yeah. It took me as long to write down shot the word shot of the year to know exactly what it was. I think, though, we were talking on Monday after the game, and you were like, I don't know, could it be this? And then you went, oh, uh, right, obviously. Yeah, it's Obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there you go. That's the shot of the year. Uh, we will not be taking comments on that one. The other one, sure, you can disagree with us and let us know. Shot of the year, that's locked. So uh, let's move on to our final two. First up, Scott, the player of the year. This goes to, well, who we think the player of the year is. That can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But for 2023, who are we thinking, Scott? So, Sean, there's a lot of players that uh, we could pick for this award. Uh, Stefani Constantini's had a great 
year. Uh, Silvana Terenzoni, Alina Pats on on their team. But really, there's only one guy who's wearing a cool hat that says the word <laughs> trucks, and that's Joel Returnez. Uh, I'm looking at a picture of it now. Uh, and the story, this comes via the Grand Slam of curling, is, quote, I was in Halifax for a couple days before the Pictou County Slam. I went for a walk in the mall. I couldn't find anything to buy. So I said, okay, I'll enter this store. He went in, saw a bunch of hats, liked it, and bought it. It's a green hat <laughs> that says the word trucks on it. Yeah. And it's it's uh, really great. Aside from that, he had a good year. Uh, his team has won three Grand Slams in a row. Uh, yep. In the fall, they're on a real heater. One had a great run at the Euros, went undefeated through the round robin. Uh, unfortunate to lose, lose, and then miss the podium in the playoffs. But uh, overall, awesome season for this team. And they're really looking to peak going into that 2026 Olympics. Yeah. And that's really what the focus is for the Olympic or for the Italian curling folks and, and going into those 2026 winter games, which at least curling will actually be taking place in Italy. So that's nice that they'll have the home crowd there. And yeah, they didn't medal at the Worlds this year, but they did get the undefeated run there at the Euros, as you said, Scott. But it's, again, maybe recency bias that they've won the three slams on the men's side. They also won last year's Masters, so they're back-to-back on that one. So I think it's really this ascendancy of return as that for us makes him the player of the year and for 2023, obviously, but looking forward and, and what the expectations are going to be for this team. It's they're high now. Like they're, they're high. Like bronze at a world's is no longer, Hey, like good job, Italy. It's like maybe a little disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, uh, they're expected to be on the podium and yeah. that's not something we would have said a year ago. All right, so let's go to our most prestigious award of the year. And that, Scott, is the team of the year. Some great candidates here, but frankly, <laughs> really only two nominees on this one. And it's the two teams that did the World and Euro double for 2023. We could almost do co-winners of this with Silvana Tiranzoni and Bruce Mowat, both of whom pull those doubles. Tiranzoni, another world championship. We're going to give it to Bruce Mowat based purely on this one little thing. It's the same team. <laughs> with uh, Briar Herleman Schwaller stepping away from the team, with that little lineup change, that puts them, like if this was a ranking out of 10 for... Or, or it was a vote out of 10 or something for who wins. Now it gets 10 points. Tiranzoni gets like 9.8. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or, I don't know. That, I, maybe that's disrespectful to the second position. But you know what I mean? Like, because it's the same four guys who did both, whereas uh, on the women's side, different lineup in the, the Euros than in the Worlds, we're giving it to Team Mao with a very high honorable mention with distinction for team Tiranzoni. Absolutely, Sean. Uh, this team 
juggernaut uh won the worlds went on to win the euros this fall just uh one of the best one of the the top teams in the world uh someone that we expect to be on the podium at every major international event they're at uh somebody who we also expect to make the playoffs at uh every slam which i don't know if that's a good accomplishment or not but uh it's something and just uh they're going to be there again for a long time they're a young team and uh just sort of at the top of the sport uh, they'll be around for years to come so congratulations to all our winners congratulations to all our nominees it's just an honor to be nominated even though we didn't go through who the nominees were so <laughs> there you have it the 2023 stony awards you can let us know if you agree with those picks with the exception of the shot of the year because if you disagree with that I, I don't know what to tell you. But on the other nine, if you disagree, you can let us know and uh, reach out. Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com on the socials at Game of Stones pod. Game of Stones podcast on Facebook. Head on over to Game of Stones pod.com for all past episodes and a link to the merch store. And of course, do subscribe wherever it is you get your shows, likes, rates, comments, all that good stuff. Helps other people find the show as we head into 2024. One left for 2023. If I can cut it all together in time that is the plan so should have something for you it won't be some it's not going to be totally new i'm going to try to put together a best of for the week between christmas and new year's see if i actually get that done but that is the plan and we'll be back with fresh stuff for 2024 so scott it is the end of 2023 how would you summarize your personal year in curling Uh, i I think it's been a lot of fun, Sean. Uh, we formed a new team at the start of the 2022-23 season, uh-huh. you know, getting ready for this quad. And I think that's really uh, gone well. We've gelled as a team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, played a lot more games together this year. We we went from being D6 to getting into the A division. That's true. Twice, you know, fell out, uh, got back in. You know, uh, we were talking uh, on Monday night after our game that, you know, we went 0-5 in A this round, yep. but most of our games were pretty close. The, yeah. We lost by five one night I wasn't there, and we lost by four on Monday, which didn't they didn't feel particularly close. Like, I think we, we got it down to two on Monday. Yeah, uh, that game was point. drunk. It, it, there was a lot of uh yeah, yeah. it was not great check our but, check our instagram page for this uh, i posted a photo of the scoreboard <laughs> yeah it was pretty uh pretty wild but we we thought that like the games were all really good like we're we're hanging with that yeah. level i think you know that's better than we did we are better yeah. than we did before yeah, yeah like our, our second foray into it and the first time we went one and four and our zero and five four it was better than the one and four yeah in terms yeah. of how the games went and the games we were in and most of the teams are the same up there and i think at least four were the same as the last time so mm-hmm. i think we had a, a pretty good run through and a better run through it than we did the first time so yeah, yeah no absolutely so I, I think it's been pretty good sean i know you keep stats on I your do. personal curling yeah do you do that by season or by calendar year <sighs> the spreadsheet is divvied up by season season not by calendar year but I will say that for this season, for the fall, uh, definitely a lower winning percentage and for me personally in games I've been in than last season. But uh, I, I agree. It's been a lot of fun. 
Uh, it's been pretty stable, I think, for both teams, and uh, you know, less games missed for me personally. You know, work thing last year that had to mm. sort of, I, I, you know, just less shifting things around this season. So, uh, getting into that routine, I feel like I didn't play well through the early part of the year. Feel like so, I, I, you know, I think it's almost like my year in curling is kind of two, sort of like I thought I was playing really well last spring, and the mm-hmm. teams I was on, I thought were playing well. The fall has been a bit of a struggle in terms of win losses and my personal performance, but it's been a good time and uh, always happy to be out there on the ice. And that's what matters most, right? Absolutely. Have fun and play fast. (laughs) That's all that matters. So hopefully you all are enjoying your seasons if you're playing. And if not, hopefully you're enjoying watching the games on the TV or the streaming, wherever you're getting them. And we thank you so, so much for listening and following along with uh, us as we go through and talk about the sport that we all enjoy so, so much. So uh, we, we really do appreciate those who listen, whether you listen every time, whenever you can, so often, if the title strikes you as interesting, uh, we're very appreciative of it. So thank you, everybody out there for a wonderful 2023. All the best to you and yours for the holiday season. And we will look forward to talking to you when the calendar turns to 2024. Oh, you have nothing to say to that? That was just so perfect, Sean. I I just thought, wow, what a way to end it. Just bang on. All right. And as always, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.